For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-back This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. Here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. Today on the Believe in Carol podcast, a recap of the week 14 loss to the Denver Broncos and a preview of the Saturday night primetime matchup this week versus the Green Bay Packers. And welcome back to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I am your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by my esteemed colleague and co-host. He is a 13-year NFL veteran, two-time Super Bowl winner, and the first defensive player ever selected by the Carolina Panthers back in the 1990, uh, 1995 NFL draft uh, in the first round. Cornerback Tyrone Poole on the uh, Believe in Panthers podcast. What's going on, Tyrone? How's your week been? Uh, how you doing, Desmond? All is well. All is well. Hope all uh, Carolina Panthers faithfuls are still pounding. We got another game coming up. This time, the da 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 da. Go pack, go! <laughs> they do have a, a monster game coming up on the road in prime time. Uh, one of the few games that the Panthers have had in prime time this entire season. They'll be uh, the national game Saturday night on Fox eight fifteen kickoff. Uh, against that bad man, Aaron Rodgers, and the Green Bay Packers, who are currently in the pole position for the one seed in the NFC. And we'll get into why this game is so important for the Packers going forward um, in terms of playoff seeding and why it's a little bit different this year than than previous years uh, to have that number one seed. So we'll get into that. Uh, First, got to go back and take a look at this uh, Panther-Broncos matchup from this past Sunday. Broncos emerged victorious 32-27. Of course, me and Tyrone will give our takeaways from that matchup uh, from this past Sunday. Um, Before we do that, though, I do need to read uh, a little bit from our sponsors over at Bet Online. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head over to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. That is BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Carolina Panthers dropped to 4-9 on the season with the Home loss to the Denver Broncos, thirty-two to twenty-seven. Um, I had a, I thought I was gonna have a couple of takeaways from this, but they all kind of came back to the same takeaway. Uh, I'm gonna let you go first, Ty, before I go into this because I've been kind of sitting on it for a week or two. Well, really longer than that, probably about a month now. But I, I think my convictions are pretty strong now in terms of where I want to go for the the my main takeaway coming out of this game. 
Um, what, what was one of the main takeaways you took out of this uh, Broncos-Panthers game? Really up and down. Panthers never really seemed to get into an offensive rhythm. Uh, the Broncos, Drew, Drew Locke played probably his career game at quarterback against this Panther defense. Uh, what was one of, some, one of the main takeaways you took from this game uh, after it completed on Sunday? Uh, one of the things starting on the defense, you know, the defense, um, you know, uh, actually did pretty good um, against uh, the rush. Uh, but again, as you spoke of, they didn't do too well through the air, even though uh, the total numbers uh, from their game uh, were 269 yards, uh, even though um, they had 365 yards total. You know, that's still pretty much okay. Uh, when we would play, we had, when I was playing, we would have pretty much goals for that particular game, uh, not to allow um, over uh, 100 yards rushing and not allow over 250 yards passing. So, the total passing yards uh, for Denver was 269. That's that. That's not that bad. Uh, rushing 69 yards total. So we would have counted that as a plus. But at the end of the day, the scorebook, the scoreboard uh, didn't play it that way. 32-27. Uh, but uh, the takeaway is on defense. Uh, you know, defense did uh, okay, uh, but I think they could have done better. The Broncos were two for two uh, in the uh, red zone. And anytime you get a team, um, you've got a good red zone defense, I think you kind of help yourself. So um, the defense, uh, okay, um, but you still got to stop teams when they get into the red zone. Yeah, I, uh, the Broncos came into that game averaging uh, 18 points per game, ended up scoring 32 uh, on the Panthers, although they did, there was a special teams uh, touchdown thrown in there, uh, a punt return uh, ran back by the Broncos earlier in the game. Um, so that, that affected the scoring uh, there as well. Uh, one of the things I noticed on Sunday that I've been starting to notice a little bit more the past two or three weeks is the play calling of Joe Brady. Um and I, I think at the beginning of the year, he came in super hot in terms of uh, being a name brand, quote unquote, uh, coming in fresh off of a, a campaign at LSU. They just had a magical season, undefeated, uh, basically embarrassed Clemson in the national championship game with their offense. Joe Burrow, number one pick overall, 60 touchdown passes <laughs> in a college football season and Joe Brady's uh passing offense but I think what I'm starting to realize over the past month in particular is that the play calling was bad on Sunday I'll just put it out there it, it wasn't very good uh some of the stuff now some of it was the reads that Teddy was actually uh using and and going straight to and I'll get to Teddy in just a second but the, the Panthers seem to resort to the passing game way too much like I, I'm used to seeing the Panthers regardless of who the head coach is, regardless of who the personnel has been over the past 20-plus years, be a run-heavy team. They rely on the run first to set up the pass. It, it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand, uh, with the defense being a strong part of the of the identity of the Panthers. And you've mentioned it earlier on in the season about how you know defenses can get tired when you leave them out there for long periods of time because the offense can't string together enough to keep the defense on the side to rest for a bit. And I feel like this passing game, when it's on, it, it looks sharp. It, you know, it, it, you, it looks like you can move up and down the field like they did earlier in the year. 
when it's not on like it was on Sunday where Teddy started off the game horrifically. Uh, just he wasn't something seems off ever since he's come back from that that uh, that knee injury a couple weeks ago. He seems like he's pressing a little bit or something, but he's also not going down the field either, which is alarming. Like on Sunday, he just wasn't driving down the field at all. It was all short five to eight yard passes. And he was short of the sticks numerous times on third down where he would throw it to a guy that was already four or five yards short of the first down marker and had no chance to get there when the ball left his hands. Those are play calls from Joe Brady coming in to, to Teddy and Teddy trying to execute those plays. And I think that the, the shine of Joe Brady where people are like, well, how long can we keep him in Carolina? He's going to be a head coaching candidate. I think that's died down uh, after the past couple of weeks because, to be honest, the Carolina offense – has just looked average. Uh, they're average pretty much in every category you can look at across the board for them. And I would be shocked if it resulted in a head coaching opportunity for Joe Brady uh, next year. Will that be coming down the line? I believe so. He, he's a great offensive mind. He's proven that. But I went back and looked at his track record in terms of what he's done. The Panther offense, when it's running the way it's supposed to run, is basically a variation of the Saints offense. Uh, from Sean Payton, which is where Joe Brady learned the passing concepts uh, that we see him employed today because he was assistant coach there. He left there, went to LSU. He was never the full offensive coordinator. He was the passing game coordinator at LSU, meaning he just, he just dictated the passing game. So when he got hired at Carolina as the offensive coordinator, no one really stopped to think about what his dedication would be to the run game. And it's really starting to show you know, of course, some of that has to do with not having Christian McCaffrey for, you know, 12 of the 13 games or whatever it's been uh, this season. I think McCaffrey's only played in two games. So that goes towards that a lot. But it's also the play calling where they're just not they're not they're not really trying to establish the run. The only game I can think of recently where they did that was the game where uh, where Teddy was hurt and P.J. Walker was starting. And it felt like they were intentionally trying to get a run game going to get P.J. comfortable before they started throwing passes. And then it disappeared when Teddy came back. And I don't know why that is. Maybe they think that their strength is at wide receiver and they want to just throw, throw, throw. But teams are starting to figure it out, and they're figuring out how to defend the Panther offense. And it's making it where the Panthers can't move the ball like they were earlier in the year. So one of the takeaways I took was that Joe Brady's play calling has – I don't want to say it's stale, but it's starting to get predictable to other teams, it looks like, because we're not able to move the ball the way we were before through the air. And with no run game established, we, it's not something we can fall back on. So we're kind of in this weird stuck moment on the offensive side of the ball. And I think some of that starts with Joe Brady. I'm going to give you some football uh, uh, knowledge here. Um, I know sometimes, you know, uh, we all can talk, um, you know, what's happening, but this is what's happening. Uh it's a long season, right? And um, players and coaches uh, can become complacent and predictable. And this is the part of the season, if you go back and you can find the tape where I talked about how around this point of the season, uh, the ninth game, the 10th game, you know, it to me, it doesn't matter uh, how quick. Yes, you want to come out the gate quick. Uh, you want to uh, win uh, as many games as you can in the first eight to nine games. Uh, we used to break it down in quarters, that four quarters. And we say that if we can finish three and one in each of those quarters, uh, there are four quarters, 16 games. 
If we could finish three and one in each of those quarters, then we will have a 12 and four record. And I think when you have teams, they come out and they may be, I take the Chicago Bears. They were like five and one. Look at the Bears now. So you come out hot. You talk about Joe Brady, they come out hot. Well, I think, again, it's a long season. And players, coaches, they become complacent and predictable. What do I mean, mean by that? Well, what's the difference? I'm going to throw this question out to everyone who's listening on, on this podcast. What's the difference between a rookie player a rookie player and a rookie coach, whether it's an offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, or a head coach. Basically, there's no difference. <laughs> what I mean by that is uh, both are being looked at, being watched, being filmed, being studied. And that's why you have these rookie quarterbacks or rookie players. They come out their first year, they light it up. They light it up because nobody has any type of film on them to study their habits, their tendencies, their weaknesses. So now that's why I always say cream rises to the top around week 10, uh, week 9, 10, 11. You start to see the uh, contenders step up and the pretenders drop off because that's enough weeks for teams to kind of predict and show who they are. And I think, you know, that's what you're beginning to see. So I think all Joe Brady has to do is go back and study himself. And I'm pretty sure Matt Rule would probably say the same thing. We have to study ourselves to make sure that we are not putting any tendencies. And if we are having tendencies, we need to break those tendencies. And that's how you keep a team, whether it's your offense against a defense, you keep that defense on balance, or your defense against offense. You got to keep checks and balances. So uh, that's what I think is happening. But, okay, so having said that, though, uh, you know, like I'm saying before, Joe Brady has never shown a penchant for wanting to run the ball no matter where he's been. He's always been the passing coordinator, no matter whether it was New Orleans or LSU. This is the first time in his career, and he's a young guy. We need to put that out there. Joe Brady is like 30 years old, so he's got a long coaching career ahead of him uh, to learn th that balance that you're talking about. But I'm not seeing that balance right now. It's so pass-heavy with a quarterback that seems tentative to throw the ball down the field. It limits what we can do on offense. And that's just from watching them, not just a small sample size. We're in week 15. Like, this is literally the entire year. When you look back through this entire season, it's basically played out like this, where we've kept games close for the most part throughout the entire year. We get an opportunity to do something at the end of a game, and we're not able to execute whatever that is to tie or take the lead in that game in the fourth quarter. And I've got some stats for that, too, because the, the bigger takeaway that I had uh, from Sunday really is more of a culmination of the season so far. Uh, and that's at the quarterback position with Teddy Bridgewater. For me, I left that game Sunday thinking Teddy Bridgewater is not the future at quarterback for Carolina. And I, and I've got reasons for that. It's not just a one-off thing. It's not just a, you know, I don't like the way Teddy looked today or what he said that day or anything else. It's kind of a culmination of the entire season so far, but it, it snowballed after that that leg injury, and I wonder if a part of it was Teddy seeing P.J. Walker come in and run this offense, actually, in my opinion, better than what Teddy had been running at the past couple of weeks. He was taking downfield shots. He was scrambling with the ball, keeping the, the chains moving. We won the game, and P.J. seemed more comfortable in the offense. When Teddy came back in the next week and going forward these past two weeks that he's played, it's felt like Teddy's pushing it, and it makes me wonder – 
if Teddy played the first part of this season basically with the idea that he didn't think he was he had anyone behind him to challenge him, seeing PJ out there in live bullets, a live action with him on the sideline injured, I wonder if it got into Teddy's head that, oh, there is somebody on this roster that's behind me that can, you know, put me on a hot seat. I need to do more. I need to push more, more, more. And that's thrown him out of the comfort zone that he might have been in earlier in the year. And now it's starting, you can see it. Like you can literally see it on the field and it's reflecting in his stats. Bridgewater, he's 19 for 29 passing for 187 yards, excuse me, two interceptions and three sacks with no touchdowns on final drives against prevent defenses for this season. Uh, that That's an alarming stat for a guy that some people in the organization have said could be a potential franchise quarterback or is a franchise quarterback is what Joe Brady has said previously. Uh, he's 0-7 in his last seven starts. The Panthers have lost in seven games this year by one score. Uh, and to me, this is the telling part right here. Teddy Bridgewater has had the football with a chance to win or tie the game on the final drive in seven games this season. The Panthers have lost all seven. And and from those, it was a, it was a myriad of issues. A couple times Teddy threw an interception that kind of sealed the deal. A couple times Teddy took a sack that pushed them out of field goal range or way beyond where they should have been. Uh, it, there's been a number of things, but it all comes back to Teddy Bridgewater. And I've tried to wait as we've gotten further and further into the season to give him a shot to kind of turn things around. But at this point, like I said, it's week 15. We've kind of seen what Teddy Bridgewater is. And for me, I don't consider that a franchise quarterback. I consider him a serviceable quarterback that can come in, uh, you know, when your starter's injured or if you're, you know, your starter's out, can't play. He can come in, you know, play a game or two get you some scores, but can you depend on Teddy to get you to 10, 11 wins? I don't know. I don't really think so. Um, just based off of his play, especially in the past month, it's become really telling. And then two things that really have bothered me that are off the field that have happened with Teddy Bridgewater the past two weeks that I wanted you to respond to. The Minnesota game uh, before they went on their bye, and we were off that week as well for the bye week, in the post game. Uh, something that caught my ear, Teddy Bridgewater kind of threw Joe Brady under the bus to the press by basically saying on the uh, that final drive that the play came in too late from upstairs and that that probably caused the play to not run the way it was supposed to. Never mind the fact that on that play that he had a wide open DJ Moore in the back of the end zone and missed him, causing DJ to actually hurt his ankle trying to reach for the football in the air. And that's why that play wasn't completed, not because the play came in late. Teddy just missed the target. And then this past week, we find out on this on this uh, late drive that right before the two-minute warning, head coach Matt Rule and Joe Brady are telling Teddy Bridgewater in his earpiece, in his helmet, to not run a play before the two-minute warning that would have been third down. Teddy ignores the call from the coach, thinking he sees something on the field. The third down gets wasted. You get to the two-minute uh, two warning, and then they're in fourth down when they could have had an extra play because Teddy decided to go his own way instead of the way his head coach wanted him to go and his offensive coordinator. So that's two instances in the past two games where there, there seems to be some cracks showing in between the relationship between Teddy Bridgewater and uh, offensive coordinator Joe Brady and head coach Matt Rule. Now, to Matt Rule's defense, he's addressed this stuff in the press conferences all this week. Doesn't seem like there's a, too much of an issue, but Ty, I would not be surprised if we see PJ Walker before the game is over on Saturday night in Green Bay, depending on 
how the Panthers show up in uh, Lambeau Field. Yeah, I'm going to go back. I'm going to touch on Joe Brady. I'm going to come back up to what you just said. Um, as far as age, uh, to me, age doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter at all. Um, I use an example. Uh, my daughter is way younger than I am, uh, but she's been to Europe and I have not. So if you're going off of age for experience on how to go around Europe, then you're probably not going to be too successful if you ask me. So if you ask my daughter who's 20 years old, uh, she'll tell you everything. So age is an excuse that people come up with because I can look at Sean McVay. Sean McVay was 30 years old. Yes, he was a head coach, but look what Sean McVay did. Okay, you can go and look at um, who else you want to look at. You can look at uh, Don Shula. Let's go all the way back. Don Shula was 32 years old. Um, so, uh, you know, John Madden, 32 years old. So age doesn't mean nothing. Uh, it's all about knowing football. And that's what the bottom line is. But I get it. You know, people, the public, you know, they want to find excuses. And to me, I'm like, you know, if you know the game, you know that it's all about X's and O's and everybody understand it. And when I say understanding, jailing. And I'm not talking about the hair gel that you put on your head. I'm talking about a team coming together and playing. And I want everybody to know this. Okay. It takes time. It takes time to bake a chocolate cake. Okay. Everybody wants microwavable cakes. And I'm telling you, there are no microwavable cakes. Okay. If you want to have a consistent organization, you want to win year in and year out, it takes time to bake that chocolate cake. Okay, now talking about uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Now, Teddy, you know, he I don't know what type of guy he believes that he is. Only he can answer that. But I do know that there are quarterbacks out there who can do their job. Steady Teddy, as you gave him the name, Desmond. Maybe too early. <laughs> I might have named him that too early. <laughs> That's my point. That's how you have people who you're either for or you're against. You're going to stay with it. Just like the Democrat and Republicans. You know, if you're a Republican, regardless of what's happening, you're going to stay a Republican. You're not going to jump ship or whatever. You're like, I believe in this system and I'm going to ride this system until this system is no longer a part of this regime or what have you. So I go back and steady Teddy, as you called him. Just like, um, uh, uh, quarterback Trent different for the Baltimore Ravens. All they wanted Trent to do was just take the ball, hand it off, and throw it when we need to throw it. Of course, the offenses are kind of different here. Um, I do agree with you. You have to have a balance of run and pass. But I don't think they brought Teddy Bridgewater in just flipping a coin. That was something that he had there that he showed when he was with the Saints that they felt, hey, he could do the same thing here. Now, like you said, it's pretty much the same type of offense. Now, as far as players um, uh, having some type of issue with their coach, uh, that's every week. That's every day. But I get it. The public, wanna, when they really want to zero in on somebody, then the one thing that is consistent becomes big. Okay, and when I say consistent again, when I was playing, shoot, we had problem with the coaching. Get the call in faster. Get the ball, get the call in faster. You know, because of the way the off the offense was hurrying up to the um, line of scrimmage. But what we got to understand, there's a call that comes down depending. I don't know how the Panthers have their system, but uh, there's somebody who's up top in those booths, in that glass above the field that looks down, and they send that signal down to the coaches and then the coaches look through whatever whatever and then they have to call it in so again it's a lot of things that go on um uh between a play 
uh, from the beginning to the end. But um, I do, uh, you know, I've seen Tom Brady, you know, uh, say things. You know, we've seen it this year with Bruce Arians, not just talking about the Patriots, but all great quarterbacks, Peyton Manning. We've seen all of them sometimes have issues with uh, what's happening. So uh, that's just part of the game. Um, I think Ted is a pro. He's been there for a while. He knows what to do. So, you know, of course, people don't like what's happening with the uh, Panthers. And, you know, they're going to bring up questions. But if the Panthers were winning, it would probably be reversed about the conversation uh, with Ted. I'm not disputing that, you know, players and coaches are going to have disputes over things like that. My my thing is that you don't put that in the media, especially if you're the quarterback. If you're if you're Teddy Bridgewater and you're already in a position where you're coming in trying to replace the face of the franchise and Cam Newton in a role at quarterback where everyone, everyone on that team, the coaching staff, the media that covers them, the fans, everyone, they consider you the leader of this team. You're the quarterback of a NFL football team. It just you don't go to the media and basically throw the blame to the offensive coordinator on a play that you overthrew the wide receiver. The wide receiver is wide open in the back end of the end zone, and you, Teddy Bridgewater, you overthrew the pass, not Joe Brady. Joe Brady's play looked like it actually worked. DJ Moore had no one around him, but he missed the throw. And for him to go into the, the media postgame session afterwards and say, oh, well, you know, the, the play kind of came in late from upstairs and that kind of thing, that's an excuse. You were talking about that earlier in the podcast. Age can be an excuse sometimes, but so can deflecting blame from yourself. And I'm starting to see some of those things from Teddy, which I don't want in a franchise quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. We used to come down on Cam Newton for that kind of stuff all the time early in his career, and he learned to not do that kind of thing going forward. And I think it made him look better in the eyes of the players in his locker room as he enjoyed his stint here. Teddy can't do that. Like that. That's that's beyond football. That has nothing to do with whether or not I play football or not, that's just a business thing. You don't throw your bosses under the bus when something goes wrong, especially when they can point to you're the one that <laughs> caused us to go wrong. You didn't complete the pass. So to me, that was an alarming thing. But then we sat on it because we, we chose – we didn't do the podcast that week because I wanted to take the week off for the bye and partly because I wanted to sit on what I was seeing and hearing from beat writers down in Charlotte uh, that I talked to weekly – uh, about the team that are around the team every day. Uh, and I wanted to sit on a little bit because I didn't want to emotionally react to it. I wanted to see maybe that, you know, it was just a rough loss, the way it happened, things get said, that kind of thing. Maybe, maybe it was that. But then it kind of carried over into this game uh, at the end with Denver where it's just game mismanagement and things that we've seen not just once or twice, but all year, like having to call a timeout because the play clock's about to run out. That's the play not coming down from downstairs fast enough, apparently. Or, uh, a misread from Teddy trying to go one direction and the, the wide receiver is going another direction. It's it, the little things are all starting to add up as we're now, you know, in week 15 of the season, where now we're at a point where you can look back from week one all the way to now and have a cumulative total of these things going on as opposed to a one off here, a one off there. Um, I will give kudos to head coach Matt Rule, though, for basically not running away from this. This could have been something on any other team where it could have festered and the media could have took it and took a whole new life with it and created a controversy that's probably not even there. Coach Rule hit it head on. Beginning of the week, he was asked point blank in his uh, press conference on Monday uh, whether or not it had been addressed. And he said point blank, you know, uh, the way he described it, he said Joe Brady maybe was not as clear as he was in the headset to not run that play they wanted to get to the two-minute conversion. I mean, the two-minute uh, warning or whatnot to get the 
quote unquote extra time out and still have that play in their pocket. Teddy said he saw or Teddy saw something. Robbie Anderson off to the side. He thought he might be open. He thought he could get something in. It just didn't work. If it had worked, it wouldn't be a conversation about it at all. But it didn't work. So it turned into this thing. And Matt Rule basically squashed it. So that kind of thing, I like the fact that really this year is kind of turned into Matt Rule establishing control of this franchise in a weird year with COVID, stop and goes, uh, people getting infected on the team, remote learning uh, for football, which I can only imagine how difficult that is to be able to have to stop and go and do Zoom calls during the week and that kind of thing when you can't enter the building because it's had COVID cases. It's just been a weird year. So I, I kind of give Rule and the Panthers a mulligan on this year because it wasn't a normal year to be able to come in and install a whole brand new system. And for them to even have four wins at this point, uh, it's pretty amazing to me for what they've had to go through. Um, but they, they've got some decisions to make. they got three games here uh, for the rest of the season. And I think now at four and nine, technically they're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but for all intents and purposes, they are. Uh, they're currently showing it's, I think, the sixth spot in the NFL draft uh, for 2021. But of course, that can change over the next three weeks. Uh, there's no telling where they'll end up being for that. And you can't play for the NFL draft anyway. Uh, now it's time to start assessing guys on the team. Like, there's some positions where. Guys like Russell Okung, he's been injured pretty much the whole year at left tackle. They traded away Trey Turner to get Okung in, which I didn't understand when they did it. Now's the time probably to start someone like Greg Little that you spent a second-round pick on last year to see if it's going to be worth keeping him. Because right now that whole offensive line, other than um, Taylor Moten, probably should be on notice that they're probably all in the hot seat. All of them could be replaced in the offseason. Nobody's really particularly safe. Uh, with professional pride left to play for, Greg Little should probably start there. And uh, like I mentioned before, I want to see P.J. Walker again. I want to know if what we saw from P.J. Walker a couple of weeks ago was just a fluke and it was a great matchup for him to come in and play against, or if we got a, a baller sitting over on the bench that can run this offense better than Teddy Bridgewater. Like, I'm not really loyal to anybody on this Panther team like I would be in the past just because we haven't had a chance to establish those relationships yet fan to player or fan to team this is a brand new team so like i'm just trying to figure out who needs to be out there and right now i'm kind of at the point where i want to see guys that we've seen glimpses of in the past to determine if we need to keep them going forward and the panthers have a rough schedule they have the second hardest schedule left in the nfl uh these last three weeks they've got (laughs) to they got to go to green bay in december this saturday and we'll preview that in a second then they have to go to washington to take on their former coach, Ron Rivera, who has four first-round picks on his defensive line, and the Redskins are uh, trying to win the NFC East uh, at 6-7. and seven. And then the final week, they've got the Saints, uh, who will probably be playing all their players because they're trying to catch up to Green Bay for the one seed in the NFC, and there's only one bye, and that's the one seed. So it makes it even more important this year to get the one seed uh, so New Orleans will be playing all their guys in the final week of the season. So you got at Green Bay, at Washington, and then New Orleans to close out the year for Carolina. So it's a tough road to uh, tough road to hoe here for head coach Matt Rule and the Panthers going forward, looking at this season. Let me say this uh, uh, about you know what you're saying, uh, and again, want everybody to understand, uh, you know, unless the person is a real salary cap, um, you know, issue. Um, I think you got to keep your veterans, 
Okay, you got to keep guys who have football knowledge. We've already seen what uh, having a young team does. Now you go look at any team. Now I think I can actually say this. I throw my weight out there. Uh, I've been on a lot of great teams. The '96 Panthers. We were one game away from the championship. Okay, I played with the Colts. We were one game away from going to the uh, the championship, which the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, ended up. Um, uh, losing to the Tennessee Titans, who we lost to the Titans. Uh, I've been with the Broncos, Mike Shanahan, championship coach, and then being with the Patriots. So I've been around championships. I see how they are built. And a lot of fans, a lot of people that, uh, you know, I know you said reporters, there's nothing against reporters, but yes, they are around the team, but they are not in those locker rooms. Let's right. not forget that. Okay. They're not sitting in there seeing and hearing what's going on. They only are told what the coaches and the players want them to know. Okay. Um, but again, when you're building a championship uh, team, uh, you got to have a mixture. You got to have a mixture of veteran players. So if you do, if let's just say for just the sake of argument, okay, uh, you're talking about Teddy Bridgewater. Say if mm -hmm. Teddy is not the guy, okay, still Teddy has invaluable, invaluable knowledge about the game. So if you are going to bring in his replacement, a future guy, I think the way the Green Bay Packers did Aaron Rodgers, who the, Packers, who, uh, who the Panthers are going to play, they did an excellent job with that. They kept Brett Favre around. So Brett Favre could tutor Aaron Rodgers. So if I am a GM, I am a coach, I'm going to look at, okay, what, not, not only the play, because some guys could be injured, okay, but what valuable knowledge does this guy have? Because as they say, knowledge is priceless. You can't put a price tag on that. But if you want to put a price tag on somebody's performance, yes, you can. But you lose the player, but you also lose that invaluable knowledge that they can teach a young guy that can help your team win faster and sooner. So, again, I'm just talking about what I know because I've been inside the locker room. I actually put their helmet on and I know what they say. So, again, if I'm the uh, David Tepper, and I'm Matt Rule, I'm pretty sure that's what they're looking at. So, again, if the guy is not a real heavy salary cap number, then you got to keep that veteran guy around. Daryl Green, look at Daryl Green and the Washington Redskins. You oh, know. that was my dude. <laughs> you you brought up Dale Green. That was my man. <laughs> Daryl could tutor these uh, young guys in the secondary and also the young guys as a whole that come in offense or defense to let them know this is what we do with the Washington Redskins. Right now, the Panthers, what is the face of the – when I say the face, what do the Panthers represent? Who are we? So right now, I think that's what Matt Rule is trying to establish. So if I'm Matt Rule, I would try to keep a veteran around, uh, whether uh, it's Teddy Bridgewater or whoever, as long as it's not a real salary, salary cap hit, because you always got to do what's best for the team. But you don't want to lose a guy who can help you uh, paint to the younger guys what this organization represents. I, I totally agree with everything you just said in terms of keeping vets around. You can't have a you know just a young team in the NFL and expect to win anything of merit. Um, as for Teddy Bridgewater, uh, the way his contract is written, he'll be here next year. It's just a matter of whether or not he's going to be the starter or not. It's a three-year deal. There's a team option after year two. And salary cap-wise, he's making $19, 20000000 million a year, which is really right in the middle, average-wise, for NFL salaries for a quarterback. So that's not really hurting the Panthers either in terms of salary, keeping him on board. What I hope happens uh, over the next you know month or two is that a, we figure out what we have in P.J. Walker. I need I need to see him again. Like, really, it's one of these three teams. 
it'd be great to see him against Green Bay. It'd be great to see him, you know, on the road. It'd be great to see him against Washington because of their front four. Uh, see how he handles that pressure, and it'd be good to see him against the Saints, who by all accounts have the best defense in the NFL. So I need to see what we have so we know what we can do next. The Panthers, like like I said, right now are in the sixth spot for the NFL draft, and a, uh, and a draft that's going to have four or five quarterbacks at the very top, led by, of course, Clemson's Trevor Lawrence and Ohio State's Justin Fields. In a best-case scenario, using what you just said with having veterans – you get it. You get one of those top quarterbacks in the draft uh, that would be there, you know, top five, whatever it may be. He sits behind, you know, Teddy Bridgewater in twenty twenty one and learns Joe Brady's system. The main the main reason why they brought in Teddy Bridgewater and cut Cam Newton is because Joe Brady felt like Teddy Bridgewater was familiar with his offense and they wouldn't have to install it the way they would if Cam Newton was still the quarterback. It would have been a, a much bigger learning. Uh, gap for Cam, which I totally get. And it does look like Teddy understands his offense very well. So to keep him on to teach a new quarterback that they bring on, uh, and then and then you let Teddy go after 2021, where it won't hurt them dead money or dead cap wise, <clears throat> just seems smart to do. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, probably here in a future show as we get towards the end of the season uh, for the Panthers and for us where uh, there's a lot of questions about the future of Marty Herney in, in terms of where he's going to be. He's 65 years old. We, we don't know. He, you know, uh, David Tepper inherited Matt, uh, Marty Herney pretty much for the most part. Uh, Matt Rule inherited him. It's not his GM. So we don't know exactly if they want to. I'd keep Marty around, to be honest, in some capacity because he has a great eye for talent in the draft, and he's proven that in both stints here in Carolina. Um but they may go a different route at GM, too. So there's a lot of things up in the air for that. But to your defense, uh, I totally agree. you got to have vets out there that can teach the young pups, this is what we do. This is this is our identity. This is what we're about. And this year has been a struggle for the Panthers to kind of figure out what that's going to be with all the stops and goes and COVID and uh, injuries and everything else. So uh, we'll kind of see what's going to play out from there. Uh, let me hit the Panthers news real quick before we get into our uh, preview for Panthers and Packers uh, primetime on Saturday. Wide receiver DJ Moore was activated off of the COVID-19 list this week. Uh, according to head coach Matt Rule, he should be uh, good to go and should play on Saturday. So Teddy will get one of his weapons back uh, this uh, this weekend. Running back Christian McCaffrey did not practice on Wednesday uh, Matt Rule said that CMC would not play on Saturday uh, with it being a short week. For those that are, are unaware, Christian McCaffrey injured his uh, thigh two weeks ago, rehabbing, trying to come back from the shoulder injury that has kept him out ever since the end of the Chiefs game, uh, you know, about a month ago. McCaffrey's only played, if I'm not mistaken, two games this season uh, out of the 13 that the Panthers have played. Um, and then P.J. Walker... Oh, excuse me, not P.J. Walker, excuse me. Uh, the Panthers will fine players at least $10,000 a piece that broke COVID-19 protocols during the bye week. Uh, it, the Panthers had a bit of a, uh outbreak uh, last week before the Broncos game uh, due to Panther players uh, congregating uh, during the bye week. And head coach Matt Rule said that that was a violation of the NFL's uh, COVID protocols. And because of that, some of those players will be fine. This isn't the first time this has happened. In fact, the Denver Broncos uh, find their quarterback's room for the same type of situation 
uh, the week prior when all their quarterbacks got uh, sick or exposed to COVID uh, due to not wearing masks and things of that sort. So the Panthers have been pretty good about not having a lot of COVID infections or being exposed to it for most of the year until they got to their bye week, which was late in the year, week 13, and then they had their little outbreak. But I, I felt like Coach Matt Rule and the Panthers organization had done a fantastic job up until the bye week of staying clean, you know, keeping away from uh, the trappings that other teams, the Raiders, the Broncos, other teams have kind of fallen into in terms of just self-exposing themselves to this um, until they got up to the bye week. So good to see a little bit of accountability through the Panthers organization uh, to, you know, find those players for breaking rules. Let's uh, quickly get into the preview for this Saturday, Carolina in a primetime game against Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay Packers 10-3. and three. They are the one seed currently in the NFC uh, fighting with New Orleans for that right now. The right to have the only bye uh, in the, uh, the NFC this season. Usually the first and the second seeds get the, the buys. Not this year. They added a seventh seed to the playoffs on both sides. And now only the one seed gets the bye. So it becomes even more important. Um, over your 13-year career, Tyrone, how many times would you say you've had to play up in Lambeau in December? And what is that like? Because you hear all the tales, the frozen tundra that's unforgiving. Uh, what is it like for a, a defensive player to go into Lambeau in December? How intimidating is it normally? Uh, this ain't nothing about a defense or uh, uh, of a players about uh, offense, a team, people coming into a culture that they're not used to in an environment. Cold weather is cold weather. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where you from? If you're not there, even I think the players uh, who stay there in Green Bay, I, I'm pretty sure they don't like it. They just <laughs> do it. But, uh, you know, right away when I think about Carolina, when I see uh, the Panthers helmet, uh, that Panther on the side, and, uh, and I see the Green Bay Packers, that G on the side uh, in Lambeau Field, at Lambeau Field uh, this Saturday, it's going to take me back to 1996. And I'm pretty sure a lot of Panthers yeah. is going to take them back to 1996 when we played in January, even though we you know it probably, you know, this is December, of course, and uh, maybe three or four weeks, uh, well, about three weeks probably would be similar to the uh, championship game that mm -hmm. we played up in Lambeau, but man, it was cold. It was cold. And, um, you know, it's, it's nothing like bone chilling cold. I don't know if anyone has experienced what I mean, bone chilling. I'm like, it's so cold that when you inhale, you can't even inhale the, 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 the it's so cold. It takes your breath away. And that's Jeez. why they, and that's why they wear those masks around their nose and mouth because their air is so cold. You can't even breathe it, inhale it. So, uh, you know, Green Bay is just a different place. Just like when they come down to the bottom to play in Miami uh, right. in January, you know, even though it's 70 uh, degrees, where you coming from up north, it's like 30 something. And then to come down to uh, 70, 75 degrees, it's a big body culture shock. So, it's it's cold up in Green Bay, uh, Desmond. It's cold. The type of cold you got to blow your hands together. <laughs> <laughs> Were you a sleeves guy? Because I, I see some guys they wear like the long sleeves and the gloves and stuff, and then some of the guys are like, "I'm not gonna wear that," and they go out there like all bare armed and like negative <laughs> temperatures. Which one were you? Were you a sleeve guy or were you a no sleeve guy? 
No, I'm going to tell you what I did. Um, I wore sleeves. I wore sleeves. But this is what I did. I took those back plasters. They call them back plasters. Back, basically, they're activated heat. Uh, there's a, uh, a, a thin layer, a uh, plastic layer that when you rip it away from the actual uh piece that goes on your skin it activates the heat it's kind of like those hand warmers oh know? yeah yeah it activates so what i would do i would take those back plasters and i would put one across my lower back and i would put uh, i would cut it in half and put them on my hamstrings because oh. those areas right there if they ever get tight that limits your movement so you don't even have to play football but anybody who's had back issues mm -hmm. when that gets tight Oh, you cannot move. I don't care what you do. You are stiff as a board. So, um, and then the hands, I have the little hand warmers, the little pockets. You know, you see guys, the little belt with the little pouch. You know, you put a couple of those hand warmers in there to keep your hands warm. And then, of course, I would have uh, the uh, hoodie on up under my uh, helmet because, you know, you see all this NFL film where the, the uh, steam coming out of someone's head sitting on the sideline after they take the helmet off. Well, if I kept the heat in as much as I could uh, from escaping on top of my head and mm -hmm. I kept my lower back loose, the muscles loose, and I kept my hamstrings loose, you could go out there without a sleeve, I believe, uh, and and play. Because if you're out there consistently, you consistently keep your body uh, creating heat. So that was what I did when I played. So that's a little bit of trick of the trade uh, to those who are listening. The, the, the one thing that I do remember – whether playing, you know, youth organized football or playing outside with your friends or whatever it might be, it's never cold when you're winning. When you're winning, it's not as cold. When when you're when you're losing, it's it's bitter cold. You 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 notice every wind gust and <laughs> every snowflake that's falling and everything. But if you're winning and you're playing good, you don't even notice the cold. Like you're having fun. You're out there like running around. Everyone seems like they're statues, and you're just having a great time. But it can go either way and. They're about to see uh, a dude that I think might be coming in uh, here with the idea of getting his third league MVP. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, only uh, I think only five or six people have ever done this in the history of the NFL, and that's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he won it in 2011. He won it in 2014. Uh, right now, he's it's really turned into a two-man race between him and Patrick Mahomes, and it's kind of crazy that the Panthers, when, when this week is over, will have seen both of the leading MVP candidates in the league and Pat Mahomes and uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and they would have had to go on the road to play them both. So, I mean, it's been a wild year for the Panthers to implement new things when they're having to go against this gauntlet of quarterbacks they've had to play against uh, all season long, and it doesn't stop this Saturday. The the uh, Packers are leading the league in uh, scoring, 31.5 points per game. They're second in yards per game and yards per play. Uh what would how do you defend Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> I'm gonna ask you, uh, the defensive mind here of the Believe in Panthers podcast. Just seeing what he's doing at age 35 right now, he seems to have complete control of Matt LaFleur's offense. It took him about a year and a half to really get it rolling. Um, but he just seems so in control of what he's doing. He's thrown four interceptions this year, 39 touchdown passes. Uh, the Panthers defense only has five interceptions on the season. Ty, what was the first thing you would think? Uh, a defensive game plan would include to try to contain Aaron Rodgers, or is that even possible? Well, as the old saying goes, you can't stop them. You can't stop him. You can't stop it. You could just hope to contain them, 
contain him or contain it. So uh, you're just looking to hope to contain a person like Aaron Rodgers, who, like you said, uh, leading the league in touchdowns, uh, actually uh, interceptions as well. So the defensive secondary is not going to get too many opportunities uh, for interceptions. Um, the guy basically is throwing for a lot of yards. Only uh, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson has thrown for more yards. Uh, the guy's done a great job. The Packers offense, again, like you mentioned, Desmond, they are putting up points like a pinball machine. And in this day and age of football games, uh, with the rules, you know, that's what you got to do. You got to put up points. Uh, the Packers, you know, Aaron Rodgers is just a good guy. And again, uh, I believe uh, he plays a lot like, not like he's Brett Favre, but you see some of the same mannerism. He's just out there making things happen. Uh, so, uh, anytime you have a quarterback like that, man, and that is what made all the quarterbacks that I've had opportunity to play with, uh, Peyton Manning, man, a uh, great quarterback, Brainiac, uh, Tom Brady, you know, a uh, great quarterback. And now you see the same thing with Aaron Rodgers. You know, these guys just have that will to make things happen. And they are going to throw that ball between two defensive guys because in their mind, they believe they can. So Aaron Rodgers is that guy. He's that guy that you got to stop him mentally. And then even when you try to get into his head, you got to keep pounding him because he's going to keep coming back. I love Aaron Rodgers. like his play. Yeah, I do too. Um, and I like your the way you kind of try to compare him to Brett Favre. I guess Brett Favre was a little more looser with the football, I guess you could say. I mean, he does on the record for interceptions <laughs> for a career. Brett wasn't scared to try to, you know, stick it in someplace. Aaron's a little bit more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Structured, I guess. I, I don't know. There's something about the way Aaron Rodgers plays where it just looks like it, he just knows what he's doing. Um, and he's been playing at such a high level for such a long period of time. I think we kind of uh, underestimated him for a little bit. Uh, people forget this Packers team. This Packers team was good last year. Uh, they, they just ran into a San Francisco uh, team that was better. And a lot of people thought the Packers messed up in the draft by not getting uh, Aaron Rodgers' help on the offensive side of the ball. The, but what really what happened was the Packers offense got uh, accustomed to Matt LaFleur's offense, you know, a second year into it. And the pack, the Packers just look really, really good right now. I'm not really sure who I would take between uh, the Packers and the Saints in terms of the overall one seed. Although I do, I do lean towards those teams that are uh, really good on defense and the Saints have one of the best defenses in the league. The Packers do not. So they, they're more prone to just try to outscore you than uh, you know, get into a slugfest. So that I carry that over into this game with Carolina. For Carolina to, to win this game, I think it's going to have to be a shootout, and that's not something um, that should be unusual for Panther fans this year. The over-under for this game is 51.5 uh, for points, so even Vegas is expecting a bit of a high-scoring game. Um, I think people are just expecting the Packers just to score more points than the uh, the Panthers would. It would have helped to have Christian McCaffrey in this game. And I was thinking about this. They played the Packers last year at Lambeau. It was a, a really good game. Uh, the Packers stopped McCaffrey like on a fourth down. Uh, he was trying to get in the end zone. A thrilling game, actually. It was snowing. Uh, it was a late game on TV. Uh, the nation. It was a national game. Everybody was watching it. Uh, but the Panthers came up short, and that was with Christian McCaffrey in the lineup um this uh they're not gonna have him <laughs> for uh for this game although it might end up being a, a good day for mike davis you know he's kind of a rough 
uh, and tumbler type of like running back. He looks for contact. Um, he hasn't been getting the ball enough, in my opinion. But this, going back to the beginning of the podcast, this could be a game for Joe Brady to show, hey, I can call a game that's run heavy. I can call a game in the elements. I can call a game that doesn't rely on, you know, my quarterback throwing 45, 50 passes in a game because that might have to happen in Lambeau. Late December, you might not be able to throw all these passes that Teddy Bridgewater's been throwing around. They might have to rely on the run to move the ball. So I'm kind of looking for that. Uh, to see if if they can get more balance in the offense and and keep Aaron Rodgers off the field as a result of it, which would help the defense. So there's a lot of moving parts here. I don't think it's a game that uh, Carolina can't win. I've seen a lot of people picking the the Packers to win by double digits in this game, and the line right now is eight and a half points uh, for the Packers. But that's kind of been what the uh, the Panthers have done all year. They've been in these uh, games against teams they had no business against. Their best game of the year is a loss against the Chiefs on the road. So I really think they have an opportunity to do some stuff, but they got to clean up some of these little things that have they've been bothering them, uh, especially the past month, to have a shot because the Packers now have a they – have, they know they have a target on their back, but – the Packers have a, a goal in front of them. You know, they got three weeks. If the Packers win out, they're the one seed in the NFC. So they've got incentive to not only come into this game and defeat the Panthers, but to do it convincingly yeah. uh, for themselves. Yeah, here's, here's, here's the bottom line. This is what I'm going to say right here, and I'll leave it like this. I know we're coming towards the end of the show. I know the Panther fans, they're like, no, no, no. Yeah, keep it going, keep it going. (laughs) Here's what I got to say. These are the things that I believe the Panthers are going to have to stop. And if they can stop these things here, I think they get themselves an opportunity. Because I do believe, like you said, if Joe Brady, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, that offense make up their mind to jail, they can move the ball on the Packers' defense. But the Panthers are going to have to stop the mindset of and Aaron Rodgers. And I still believe Aaron Rodgers is still playing with that chip on his shoulder from 2005 draft when he was the 24th selection and he sat in that green room uh, forever almost. And, uh, you know, sometimes people still keep that chip on their shoulders. Uh, I think the Panthers are going to have to stop the second best third down percentage offense in the NFL. So if they can do that, they increase themselves an opportunity to win. And then again, they just got to uh, be ready. The Panthers defense has to be ready to play a balanced offense. The Packers run and throw the ball. So uh, Phil Snow is going to have to call a heck of a game. So if they can stop the mindset of an Aaron Rodgers who probably still playing with a chip on his shoulders, and if they can stop the second rated third down efficiency offense, and if they feel snow and the defense can call and play a heck of a balanced game on defense, because they're going up against a very balanced offense who can run and throw the ball, I think the Panthers have an opportunity. Yeah, I would agree with that too. And um, of course, how twenty twenty would it be if this is the game the Panthers just like put it all together and win like thirty one to ten or something <laughs> up in Lampo? Like I, that would be the perfect bow on the twenty twenty season uh, in terms of where we've been this roller coaster uh, with the Carolina Panthers. We got to get out of here. We're up against it here. We'll be back next week. We'll give you our recaps on this game, this Saturday primetime game. Again, it's on Fox. Kickoff is at 8.15 Saturday night. Uh, it's a national 
primetime game for the Panthers. Um, and we'll preview the upcoming week's game against uh, our old friend Ron Rivera and the Washington football team. You can follow Tyrone Poole on Twitter at TyronePoole38. You can follow me, Desmond Johnson, on Twitter at Des, D-E-Z underscore 3505. And go and pound that like button for the Believe Podcast Network, where you can basically find a podcast on any team that's out there, uh, college or pro, Um and not and other things too. I saw that there's a podcast on the Believe Network for uh, MTV's Real World Road Rules Challenge uh, show. There's a pod a weekly podcast for that. So they have all kinds of stuff for you to uh, to listen to um, as you're ringing in the holidays here. Um, we will be back next week, but I just realized Ty that uh, next Thursday is Christmas Eve, so uh, we might have it out a little bit earlier than we normally do uh, for you guys. We'll keep you posted on that. Just follow the social medias and whatnot for. Uh, the latest episode of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. For my co-host Tyrone Poole, this is Desmond Johnson. You've been listening to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.